Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Hey everyone, Aaron Noonan here. Welcome again to the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Repco. Last week, we brought you part one of our chat with Barry Ryan from Erebus Motorsport. And today, we bring you part two. It was such a good chat that we had to split it across two weeks. Now, we pick up the chat in this second part of the podcast with Barry in 2015, effectively restarting Erebus Motorsport Supercars team from scratch. We talk about winning the great race at Bathurst in 2017. We spent a bit of time talking about the Inside Line documentary series that many of you saw, many of you commented on on socials, and many of you built your opinion on Barry from what you saw there. He talks about that documentary series and whether he would do it all over again. We talk about the 2020 season, the lockdowns, and the stuff that was going on with Erebus last year, of course, a very different team in 2021. And Barry also tackles the National Motor Racing Museum Catch Racer questions and the V8 Sleuth Top 10 Shootout. So here we go. Buckle up. Time to start part two of Barry Ryan on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Repco. So in 2015, you come in, you say your bit to, yeah. to, to what you think. And then a, a lot of change happened. Virtually, you, you had a whole new team virtually for the whole next year. Changed yeah. location, came to Melbourne, changed to Commodores, lots of new faces, lots of the old Stone slash Erebus yeah. people were gone. Um, and you're, in essence, you know, now the, the, the head of, of that. Mm. Massive. Yeah. Massive. Like when you look back, it's not that long ago now, five or so years ago, but mm. Herculean effort. I mean, and this team had gone through th- two Herculean things mm. in three years to do the whole change to Merck. Yeah. And then the whole change to, to come here. Yeah, Huge. 2015, the end of it was where it probably started when you had to make some really big decisions. And, you know, I'd, I remember going to Betty's and just lying on the line and said, Betty, the first thing is, do you actually still want to do this? Mm. What'd she say? And she, she basically said, what's your advice? And I said, well, I just, I don't know why you want to still do it. Uh, as and in it, do supercars or do the Mercedes supercars? Yeah, supercar? just keep doing the Mercedes supercar, yeah, yeah and he, what are your options? And you know, she almost got a bit pissed off that I'd mentioned not doing it. So, you know, you, I quickly got to a point where it was right, we've got to fix this. There's, Betty wants to do it. It's, it's what she loves. She's not going to back down. So we just laid some options on the table and said, right, to keep doing this, this is how much it's going to cost, this is the risk. To do it this way, this is how much it costs, this is the risk. And she had to choose one and she chose to um, combine it with the GT team in Melbourne and, and start from scratch. So, hmm. What was yeah. the other option? Because clearly staying doing keep the same thing. Keep shitloads of oh, money. That, that was and, the other option was yeah, to stay doing that. Yeah. I basically said, I'm not moving to Queensland. I, don't, you know, I was close at one point to moving to Queensland and... So I'm not moving to Queensland. So if it stays like this, I'll wave goodbye or I'll keep doing the GT program and um, yeah, and move on from there. But yeah, we decided to go the Melbourne direction and combine it with the GT factory and start there. And you know, obviously, it's a the worst thing you can ever do is um, putting making a lot of people redundant, which happened at Stones. And but every single one of them got offered a job in Melbourne if they wanted it. But no. One, 
no one took it up. So we basically um, mid mid December two thousand fifteen had nothing. Had a big factory full of <coughs> Mercedes and equipment, and and it was just me. I remember at one point standing in the middle of the workshop floor, ring Betty, and said. That's it. We're we're down to me. Yeah. <laughs> we got a hundred percent work stuff Cam- here Campbell, today. <laughs> actually, Campbell Little was still involved in a, in a small degree, but um, yeah, it was it was a pretty huge task to then try and build it to what we have now. And you know, starting January with people just walking in the door you'd never met before, and <laughs> a couple of people I knew. But had you um, had you identified a few people that you went. If I ever get in the position, it's kind of like when you see a footy coach get the big main gig, they bring in their assistants who they have always tabbed that if I ever get that chance, you're coming with me kind of thing. Have, do you have yeah. a few people in your world that you went, right, you're getting a phone call straight away? Yeah. It's funny, I, I didn't really and we, we talked about it and I said, Betty, we need to do this different. We can't just be another team that just poaches people from all these teams and they just create another team that have all got these same ideas. Because the same ideas don't make you better. So we actually wanted a whole new group of people. There was a couple of people we sort of like, he's got the right, I think, vision like we have. But, um, yeah, we, we wanted – we recruited some people that had never been in supercars. And most I saw of them, some faces most in your garage that you, I had yeah. no idea who they were. But that was the idea. It was how are we going to be better than all these other teams? You can't do it by just copying them. So, you know, we bought some Walkinshaw cars because that was really the only option at the time, um, knowing that they weren't the most competitive team, but you know, their, their engine package was good. You could see the baseline of their package was good. Um, we're going to have to just be better than them for a start and try and make something better. And all this sounds pretty arrogant, but um, that's what we had to back ourselves to do because to, to win and be the best, you can't just be somebody else's puppet so we're never going to be that and we we haven't been that at all mm. apart from our engine program which to me the engine put in the car goes mm. it's, it's not what makes the car fast mm. as long as it's got what it needs it you know it just does its job mm. so yeah so we the first race of 2016 we had people doing pit stops that had never done before <laughs> it was a bit of a shit fight and, but we still got to a point in that Adelaide race where we had made one good call, the radio actually worked. We could have done well, the Nick Larry's Perkett. radio's never worked, so you were one step in front of him then. <laughs> the Nick Perkett, when he yeah. won that race, because it was um, you know, the fuel drop thing, and we were so close to doing exactly the same thing, we could have almost won the race. But we, we, we went, went all right and it was tough. And you know, to Dave Reynolds' credit, he was, he was um, on board with us and he was happy to go through the pain to get to where he could see the vision was. And, yeah, the vision was to just be different to everyone else, different whether it was uprights, whether it was the seat that was in the car because we bought safety cell across because that was one of Betty's stipulations. We're From not the running Mercedes. Merc. Yeah, we, that's right. I yeah. want my safety cell in the car so the drivers are as safe as they can be. Um, we did some different things with the suspension fairly early on that we thought was definitely different and hopefully better than everyone else. And, yeah, we, we started tracking along all right and, yeah, we recruited some some people that had some more skills and eventually, you know, it just took time for people to want to come and work for us because um, mm. they just didn't see any vision in what we were doing. So, But, um, yeah, we got to a point where 18 months later we won Bathurst. So, yeah. 
Division was all right. something right. Yeah. <laughs> and then the year after, we should have won. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, in this whole evolution, looking, obviously Erebus has had an evolution, but mm. you've had an evolution. Mm. Who do you draw your oh, – it sounds a bit wanky, but who's your inspiration of do – you, do, you, do you look at other sports of coaches, managers, leaders in business, leaders in other places and go, oh, I like how they do that. I'll take a little bit of that and implement it into what I do. Or you, you're very much your own beast, and you've just sort of done it your way. I think that's what it is. I've I've been offered to do management courses before. I've done courses where in Kelly's and get to stand looking in each other's eyes with some guy you work with every day, and I'm like, what's all this bullshit? <laughs> you so, are old school, Barry. Oh, you are old school. I just um, <laughs> it was the worst thing I've ever done: staring into some guy's eyes. I don't know what it was trying to prove, but anyway. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You could, you'd say a little bit it's come from Larry, but probably my dad. Like, he's he's um, he's really – he was a passionate racing person as well, and he was really – he's a hard-ass. He's probably, you know, brought me up to be no bullshit. Um, yeah, he, he taught me discipline, and discipline is all I really do, that if – Somebody does something wrong, you've got to tell them they've done it wrong and you've got to help them fix it. Mm. Like, you can't stand back and let it all go and not get better. So probably Dad did a fair bit without even knowing that. And, um, you know, obviously later in, in life when I meet people like Larry, you, you learn a bit off them. But I know I don't force any – my leadership style, I don't force. It's just it happens. Mm. Like if I see something, I'll just go over and say what I think I need to say and – right or wrong that's what I do and then sometimes you think about it and go yeah probably a bit hard on that guy you go back and you have a chat to him again five minutes later because you realize you, you might have upset him or mm. her so but yeah I've definitely not looked at someone and gone I want to be like them mm. I don't know it just just happens mm. I can't control it that's how it is <laughs> yeah is Betty give you giving you carte blanche you know obviously she's she owns it so yeah. it's her yeah. um it's her baby, yeah. but she's sort of entrusted her baby to, to you to run. Yeah. Do you approach this? I think a lot of people who work high up in business treat a business like their own, if, mm. even if they, yeah. you know, it was fully theirs because that's the best way to do it. But mm. have you got total carte blanche from her, or have there been times where you go, I'm going to have to cede to her on that one? That's, or does she say, you know what you're doing? Do uh, yeah, you she, she does. She, but I've got enough respect for her that if I think it's something that, she might question. I'll just preempt it. I'll ring her or send her an email and say, um, "We've had some big long emails over our journey of you know bouncing stuff off each other or trying to support each other." And you know, um, yeah, but essentially, it's just a respecting. I respect that I, I know her well enough now that, to know what she's going to probably say if I act in a certain way or say a certain thing. And if I know she's going to back me one hundred percent, which Ninety nine point nine percent of the time she does. Um, other times I'll say something and she'll quickly ring me or or see a video thing and ring. Oh, what's this about? And I can either explain it or or she'll give me a bit of slap on the wrist <laughs> and say, "Don't do it again." <laughs> but yeah, she's still the boss, hundred percent. But um, she's she puts all her faith in me to make and Shannon now is a, a part of the leadership to to make the best decisions for her team. So, what's the greatest misconception people? outside of the walls of this race team have about Betty? Um, I don't think she gets misconceived as being just a rich person. I don't think she gets that at all. I don't know. I don't know. You could probably answer that better. But 
she definitely doesn't act like that and she definitely doesn't betray herself like that when you go to a home or anything you she's, wouldn't think she's just a pizza and beer sort of person mm. but um I don't know. I think sometimes she takes a bit to get to know people and she's a bit standoffish and short with people until she knows them. And that's just, a, I guess, the way she's been brought up and I think probably time she's been, you know, people take advantage of her, her wealth that she's probably doesn't just embrace people instantly. But, you know, she's, she's great with everyone, but sometimes um, she'll just say hi as they walk past or, you know, They'll come and say hi. She'll just go hi, and that's it. But then once she gets to know that person, yeah, you know, she brings them into her family, and and she um she's like a mother to all the people here. But mm. someone that just starts here and she first meets, she'll be really just a quick hi to. But then she'll she'll take the time to learn them and Warms embrace them and as a person. Yeah. Has she ever convinced you to run the purple hair? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I haven't got enough hair to, to turn purple anyway. So. Yeah, we talked about, um, we touched on it before about winning Bathurst. So new team, 16, what, 18 months later or 20 months later, whatever it is, yeah. you, you're winning Bathurst. What do you what, what do you remember most about that day in, in 2017? Uh, I, I remember sitting there, everybody was running out to um, pit wall and I just didn't even want to get up. I was like, we've done it. We deserve it. I think I walked out to the front of the garage, didn't even go to the pit wall, and just sort of clapped as I went across and thought, this is pretty cool. You're actually getting this a little emotional here. Just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, well, It's a it huge cool. moment. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. a, it's a massive thing to win Bathurst in yeah. any race team, yeah. but to do it the way you had done it over the last yeah. year and a bit yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah, it, t- it took a fucking lot to, to get to that point. And, um, yeah, but I just knew we deserved it. And looking at Betty and, and Daniel on pit wall and you know, her balling her eyes out and it was just yeah it was it was awesome mm. it was, yeah there's nothing you can compare it to i'd give trading every pole position every win we've ever had for another to win bathurst again and mm. yeah the Did year it? after was probably the hardest one because like, yeah. we actually went back there and dominated from the moment we rolled out the truck and and to to get to that point on sunday where you know, we could drive away from any car, you mm. know, drive away from Leon's 10 seconds in, you know, probably 10 laps and and then to have um, the driver fatigue and, and not be able to do anything about it was probably the hardest thing because you put so much focus into the team and the car and all that to make sure the car's fast. It's a primary goal and sometimes you forget about the, the nut behind the wheel. Mm. And so um, was that the driver for getting to look after the driver, the team for getting to look after the driver, a bit of both? Oh, a bit of both, but, yeah, just not enough focus on the drivers. Like, um, where we shouldn't have to, but, yeah, we we probably dropped the ball a bit there and the pressures of – Dave put a lot of pressure on himself, I think, because he was the past champion. There was mm. so much A lot media of media and, and lots of focus. Stuff that he could have controlled, stuff we could have controlled, but it's not worth him getting into. It's no, just, it is yeah, what it is. It, it's a fuck-up and – we had to deal with it. Mm, mm. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable.
Now, you know, uh, we've mentioned you're not afraid of saying what you think. So the media on occasion haven't mind doling you up for a for a quote along the way and along the yeah. journey. And you don't yeah. mind joining in a bit of social uh, jibing. Yeah. There's a bit of a bit of DJ Penske Erebus, you and Ryan's story, two very different cats over previous years. Do you like a bit of a scrap? You, you like a bit of a bit of that stuff. A bit, it's the theatre of the sport that we're yeah. we're sadly missing. I mean, I look through the old magazines of the nineties, and some of the stuff Ingle was saying. Yeah, if if yeah. you translated that into twenty twenty one, everyone will lose their minds and say how amazing it was and outspoken. It was just par for the course back then. No, I, I love it. I wish there was more of it, but everybody's so precious now that you can't you can't say anything without um, you know getting crucified. And you know some of the things I've said and. You know, the TV show, obviously, that was documented, well-documented that, you know, I was an arsehole and, you know, you know who'd work for that guy and you know, it didn't worry me, any of that stuff, but it's when your daughters or your wife read it and they get upset and, you know, want to defend you and, you know, I think my wife defended me once and she took it down pretty quick and then people would screenshot it and then they were attacking her and it's, it's just, that's mm. the crap side of it, the social media side. You know, I think we should have more, you know, team owner and um, uh, press conferences like they started and just get, into, e- just get into each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. We did it once or twice in 19, I think. They started doing it and there was a bit of banter in it and I don't know if people liked it or not, but it should be more, but it should be face-to-face like that. It should mm. be in a press conference, not mm. on social media. Mm. But mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, some, yeah I, I probably don't bother with it anymore because it's just not worth the grief. Mm. And the grief it causes the team... The grief it causes um, sponsors and everybody, and most of it's just through a bit of honest banter, mm. and it, it just gets it portrayed off. into some other yeah. realm. And now you just don't bother. So, have you ever got to the point where you've copped serious threats online, messages, and, and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. People wanted to bash the shit out of me, and you know, I'll kill you, and all. You know, I've have had all that, but you know, you just you just throw it aside and don't worry about it. But yeah. Mm. It's yeah, like I said, it's now. only when it gets to your family that it's a real drama. Me, I don't care. I just mm. some people I've I've had you know have a real big crack at me, and I'll um, direct message them on Facebook, and you can disarm them pretty quickly when you actually. Yeah, I've, I've had a guy turn around from basically saying, you know, wait till I see you, and it is. I didn't even know who the guy was, and mm. and a quick DM sort of explaining my point which i don't, don't need to do but i thought this was a case that I, I wanted to try and within you know three or four messages the guy wanted to come and see me at the garage and say good day can i give him a pit to him what the <laughs> hell turned around quickly. kiss off mate <laughs> <laughs> but yeah when you look at a lot of the hate on social media now it's the same there's a, probably 30 people in the whole of the the fan group of all the teams that do it there's mm. the same little name pops it's up pile you, on. Yeah. you get on you can see it's a fake uh, it's a fake account and mm. oh, so you just you, you got to get to the point where if people are going to sign up for a facebook account or a twitter or an instagram or wherever it is yeah you got to put your license down and register your yeah. details it's yeah. real simple yeah. this could actually be solved in a really simple way but the tech companies yeah. don't want to do it because it goes out, against yeah. all the things that they I've want caught to have out people that i've known had a problem with me and found out that the fake account was his wife's account and all this shit, and she's on there. Everything I say, why, yeah. why would you bother? Yeah, it's too hard. Who's got the time, time to do that? I, exactly. Uh, I know I don't have enough hours in the day, so I don't know how they <laughs> yeah. find enough. You mentioned the doco, and I, I wanted to cover it off, and some of our mm. fans have asked questions about yeah. it. Do you regret doing it? No, not at all. You do it no. again tomorrow? Yeah, I'll do it again tomorrow, yeah. 
the biggest thing about it was just how how they wanted to edit it to make you know every I've said it before everything I did on there I did because it's, mm. it's recorded but but with the, the, was context the context of it, removed yeah. yeah that's the thing I was going to say biggest thing I explained to people is when you look at the um, a couple of times I had a go at the drivers on the thing and then the next minute I'm having a go at the crew people that haven't had to manage a team before don't understand from Friday to Sunday you've got to get everybody through you got to get them all through as, as confidently, as strong as I can. Sometimes you need to say to the drivers, I know the crew are doing a shit job. Don't worry about it. I'll fix it. Then you, the next minute you're saying to the crew, the driver's doing a shit job. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll fix it. None of that's supposed to ever merge. It doesn't come together. It didn't happen within yeah. 32 seconds. So by Sunday, you get to the end of it. You've kept them all happy. The drivers, you fix that next week that you said that the crew was shit and then you said to the drivers that the, the drivers, the crew was shit. You worry about that next week and you fix it. But when you see it all together, it just looks like I'm a back, backstabbing arsehole. Mm. And, yeah, I can see that 100%. But when you realise why you're doing it and the style of management that you've got to do sometimes, that's, that's just how you get through a weekend. Mm. If you didn't if you didn't go to – you went to Bathurst and think it's all rosy the whole weekend, you, you're full of shit. Mm. Sometimes you've got a driver in the truck saying, you know, pissed off because someone did something wrong on the car. You can't get the whole team together and try and fix it in the middle of a race meeting. So you just pamper that driver to what he needs to hear mm. and get him through the weekend. And it might be one crew member that's the same thing. Oh, I'm sick of the driver. He won't come and do his driver change practice. Like, Don't mm. worry about it, mate. Mm. Cool. Mm. We'll just get through it mm. and get through it. But when it's all documented... And it's all it, it, pushed yeah. together in a 45-minute yeah, window... Yeah. And you, I think you, that's a, you cringe. I watch something. Oh, fuck, <laughs> that doesn't look good. And, but then, anyway, you, it is what it is. It's uh, that's what we did that year, and that's how I did it. And if did, people don't like it, I don't care. Did you you hear when Doco crews follow sports teams or leagues yeah, or whatever yeah. that once they become so entrenched with you, you kind of just blur out the fact that they're there. Did you yeah. just completely lose any awareness that the camera's oh, ever 100%, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing how that changes from being. Really clear and obvious in your face round yeah. one to somewhere along the line, it's just blurring in the background. Yeah, well, you, you don't even notice. You don't even know. And yeah. you, know, you go and have those mate conversations, and then you realize, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> did, yeah. you, did you get the opportunity to beforehand? Was there anything that you asked to be deleted? Did you get to see it before it was edited? Was it the oh, way we it worked? Got to, we got to see most of it, but we, we asked for some things and they didn't get removed. But it's. It was part of the show, so we didn't really want to hinder the show. And I guess I just said I don't care what people think of me, and I, I, I don't. But um, the only people I care about the thing is what my family think mm. of me. But mm. I know who I am, and they know who I am, and what people think doesn't really matter. But mm. um, as long as it wasn't going to affect our team and um, our sponsors and all that, that's the, that was the critical thing. And I don't think any of it did. Mm. The, the positives outweighed the. Whatever yeah, negatives there, yeah, there may yeah, have been. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll put you down for the next series. Then. Lock, it, lock <laughs> it in. Baz is ready to star in 12 more episodes. And Oh, we're and doing our own thing now, but it's more a uh, – it's uh, we're going to have the full editing side of it. So, you know, most of last year got recorded and this year. And so, yeah, th- there is something else happening. But, yeah, it'll, we'll just, it'll be a bit, bit different, a bit more behind the scenes and mm-hmm. what Betty actually wanted out of the first one. But yep. we didn't have the control because – we didn't pay for anything, so... Yeah, but this yeah. time it's yours. Yeah. In, in-house. Um, 
a lot's been said and written and uh, I'm not the delver of delvers but clearly it wasn't it was a year last year it was challenging for everybody yeah. in the sport yeah. um, and without going deep and diving everyone kind of knows the deal you had two drivers that departed in different circumstances yeah. <laughs> things just didn't work engineers left that, that's yeah, kind of all yeah. been done to death there's nothing really yeah, more yeah. That, that we can add here but uh, is there anything you'd change from over that, that time of, of the no. relationships or the things you said or the things you did or the things that other people should have done or no, no, it nothing. kind of ended up how it ended up because that's how it was going to end up? Yeah, I'm sort of sick of talking about it. But um, the best way to explain it is last year was tough on everyone, like you just said, and and COVID, everybody was different on, with COVID, like how we reacted to it and how we dealt with it. And, you know, some people dealt with it in a... In a, in a blow it off sort of way, like just get on with life and um, other people didn't. And I, the way I had to manage the team on the road last year was way more strict than it would have been if we were on a normal season. And some people just don't like um, getting bossed, not bossed around, but getting told this is the way we have to do it. There's no choice. This is the way we're doing it. And that was probably the be all and end all of it. And, that, you know, and it's just the timing was was bad and it made it look bad that Anton was probably always going to go because why wouldn't you? Where, you always told that that yep. was going to be the case. Yep. yep. I honestly thought that. Um, we had Will Brown line up a year ago, so mm. it was pretty clear what we thought was going to happen and it happened. And Dave was just, you know, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate. But, um, you know, we, we're the only ones that know exactly why. I still don't really know why, but you know, he, he's... I've heard rumours and, you know, all the bullshit he talks about what happened. You know, it, it, they, anybody can believe whatever they want to believe. But mm. I know what I did and I wouldn't change what I did because we had to. The, the category had to survive. The team had to survive. We had to keep sponsors happy. We had to we had to keep the government happy. Like, we had to do things that no one wanted to do last year because if we did go the wrong way, we could have either and what sort of things the whole... Are we, what sort of things are we talking about here? I just... The way we travelled around, the way we, very we weren't allowed to go very... out. We had to stay in a house. So we, yep. we couldn't go out and have dinner if we wanted to have dinner. We had to lock ourselves down pretty much. And we did that a lot when we didn't really have to, but the best choice for our team and the category was to do that. So there was lots of times where we regimented things to protect our team and our category. And um, yeah, that that some people just didn't like it. So mm. yeah, mm. That, that's that's all you can say. Mm. Really. Yeah. Oh, I hope that one day. I mean, what Dave did in his time at Erebus, what Erebus did for Dave was very important mm. to both. And mm. I hope that one day Huge, yeah. you can all get back together and you know let bygones be bygones, and everyone can uh, hold yeah. hands and sing Kumbaya and stare into one another's eyes and <laughs> look at how great they all were back in the day. Uh, that, that, won't um, be, that won't be happening. Okay, right. Well, I was just trying to be positive. About that, <laughs> so I tried. I tried. I've I've, I've tried, but. Um, New lineup, Will and Brody. Um, I see a lot of uh, what we talked about with the Perkins, and you kind of did mention it too, with the, yeah. the young blokes getting their opportunity, probably a bit more along the development lines of these two. What do our listeners not know about Will and Brody? What dirt can you dish on them? What, I mean, we see them on telly. They're young blokes. They're fast. Yeah. Will's, you know, a very um, got a great personality. He's very laconic. He's very mm. laid back. Um, Brody's been to the dude school. He's he's an old school racer. You can see a lot of yeah. that in him, even though he's only what twenty two or whatever. Yeah. Uh, what are we not seeing on telly? What don't we quite know about these guys that we might learn about them over the the next year or two or three? 
I think the biggest thing I, um, looking back when I first saw Will Brown, and I think it was 2015, we was doing Formula Ford and Toyota 86, and I still think anybody that's been dominant in Formula Ford is still it's still one of the best categories for as a feeder category. And if it could start again today, I'd be telling all the kids out of go karts to go and do Formula Ford. Totally. You know, 86 is good, but Formula Ford teaches you how to really drive a car with, with the skills you need, your heel and toe and all, all that stuff to, to get the most out of a car. And Will, in those years that I saw him there, he was exceptional, he was fast. At the end of the day, he's won in everything he's ever started in. You know, not supercars yet, but he will. 100% he will. He's just a naturally gifted kid and, you know, there's no there's no rock star about him. There's no um, you know he comes across that he's not hugely intelligent, but he's very very intelligent. And, you know he's he's a pilot. And he's, you don't become a pilot just from doing hours. You've got to actually be pretty smart at what you do. And yeah, he's he's definitely someone that we want to hold on to. And we know he's going to win races and hopefully championship for us at some point. And he's already proved a little bit this year that the raw speed he's got and just natural ability. And Brody is very similar, and people don't know Brody raced in America from 12 years of age and did, you know, he did um, uh, flat track, dirt track, um, you know, really high level um, oval racing and circuit racing over there. And you know, he won multiple feature races in a year more than any anybody else when he was like 14 years of age mm. and stuff. Like he's, he's done so much racing, and that's why he's a hard ass racer because. Over there, it's not just rich daddy racing. It's you, know, you, you go into your racing and you you're fighting for your next meal on the table, sort of thing. So this <laughs> it's cutthroat, and I think that's where his cutthroat driving styles come from. And people just don't realise how much he's done. And I think we're we're lucky that we've had a, had an opportunity to give him a seat because eventually somebody was going to pick up on how good he is and and get him in. So. You know, all we can hope for now is um, they want to be here for as long as we want them to be here and as long as the relationship keeps working and we deliver in fast cars, even as their profiles grow and they start winning races and they get offers from bigger teams and we just want to be at a point where they won't want to leave because we've got the best cars. Hmm. And that's, that's the easy that's way to fix do. it, isn't that's, it? Yeah. yeah. And that would have been an easy way with Anton. Um, if Anton felt that he could keep winning races in our car because people forget last year he got the three podiums and a race win and eighth in the championship. So it wasn't a bad year. Um, if he had that full belief that we could be the seat he was offered, which we couldn't offer him that, mm. the three times championship seat, um, we could have kept him. So, you know, if... Brody or Will gets offered Jamie Winkup's seat. Obviously, they're going to think about it hmm. because and we're not at that level them yet. To, yeah, you know, be in the mix. But we've we've got them contracted to, for 2022 as a minimum, um, and options passed there. So, but I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to be able to keep them because you never you know in life. Yeah, yeah. We've proved in the past that if a driver doesn't want to be here, we don't want him here. So, hmm. so same um, as anything in life. If, yeah. Both exactly. sides are not happy. Then what's yeah. the point? Even if there's a bit of paper that says you, yeah. you should be here, exactly. So. No, I get it. I get but the it. the question of those two is they're genuinely here because of their driving talent. It's not because they're bringing a budget. They're paid professional drivers, and you know we, I can see that they are two of the best young guys in the sport. And 
can both be champions. Mm. If you know they've got to extract more out of themselves, like all drivers have to, but they can't just rest on their natural talent. But if we can do the job with the cars and the team, and they can do the job with the driving, there's no reason why we can't win races this year, not not next year or in three years. Mm. I'm not patient enough to wait till <laughs> next year, so. and neither are those two. They're, Which is good. They're they're ready to win races now, and Brody. You know, we got a bit of grief from commentators and that at Santa because we didn't pit early enough and we could have overtaken a Shane in that wet race and that's all bullshit because the wet tyres, that race meeting, was so touch and go, you just didn't know what you were going to get. But while Brody was going fast in that period, Leading. we were like, let's just pit with two laps to go, mm. reduce the risk, worst case was second. And we saw a little window there when Shane pitted where we thought, if Shane gets a shit set of tyres, we can make up all that ground, bounce out in front of him with two laps to go, hold him off. Mm. That was our way to win. And, yeah, sometimes you you get the experts on the couch or on the microphone <laughs> saying what they think and, yeah, that's, well, that's, the beauty that's of all of a sudden the fact. Well, it's kind of, well, you know, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. In a way, the difference of opinion is, is a good thing, but yeah. it's also trying to get the... The viewpoint of what's really going on, or, yeah, or what yeah, the, the team's exactly. actually doing, which you know sometimes it's hard to get on the fly. So I get it. Yeah. Um, do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego the number two, and oil, and find out. A couple of quick ones. GTs, can you do that at all anymore? Any other programs beyond the main game supercars, or you got enough on your, your plate? Uh, we, we could, but we've got to really focus on this, and we've got a bit of focus on our Erebus Garage as something we need to... We need to plug it. Tell, tell the world, Erebus Garage. Oh, Erebus Garage, yeah. So the whole concept is anything from general servicing, but ideally we want to turn this into a... Um, it's probably we're going to do a pilot for a TV show where it's basically going to be um, like a custom garage thing, like the things you see in America where someone projects. brings their project car well, in. Why did you got Scotty Pye's got a what's he got in here? It's he's a got a, a, I think it's a '56 or '57 F truck F100 Ford. Um, yeah, we're doing a full makeover on that for him, and he's he's um, through his one nine media. He's doing all the, the recording of it for a pilot, so we're doing a bit of a deal there and. The hardest thing is just finding the right staff to do it at the moment. We've got one of the best fabricators in Australia, James White, but he's got to build Gen Three cars soon. So mm. we're um, we're in a in a position where we're we're not ready to show it to the world because we haven't got the structure ready to do it properly. But we we know how we want to do it, and we we know there's the the business is out there. There's so many people into custom cars at the moment and just um, doing up collectible cars and restoring cars and that's what we ideally want to do, but at the moment you can bring your car in for a service, like a logbook mm. service or a I think I'm due, actually. <laughs> yeah. While I'm here, I should have parked it downstairs. So anybody can come in, have a look at the shop while they're here and get their car service. So yeah, yeah. that's that's the plug, I guess. Erebus Garage, get on it. Yeah. On. Uh, you mentioned Gen 3. Yeah. Uh, lots is being said, lots is being written. Are you, are you happy with what you're hearing? Are you happy with what you're getting told? Are you happy with what you know of or do you need more? Do you want more? Is this... Are the naysayers right? Are the naysayers wrong? Where are you on Gen 3? Uh, I think, you know, obviously 
we'd we'd all love to be further ahead of from where we are, but last year COVID just took so much of everybody's energy, the management group of supercars, the management group of all the teams, just to get through that period, managing life and managing racing, let alone trying to get a new project up and running. It is behind where we'd all love to be, but it's not unachievable and there's a massive amount of work in the background gone on to make sure this is right and people got to remember it's the biggest part of this process is the new engine like the chassis and the transmission and all the rear components um, front components all that stuff is pretty much proven parts it's not like a whole new car that everything might fail Mm. it's um it's an evolution more than a revolution so the engine thing is probably the biggest thing that we need to get some clarity on really quick. And um, but again, the the engine the engines they're using they're proven engines. It's just proving them in the capacity we want to use them, mm. and um, under the way we want to use them. So if we're not going to use paddle shift, there's a lot more stress on the drivetrain, the engine, all that stuff. But if we use paddle shift, we can control a lot of that. A lot of that, and I'm a I like the fact that we've got heel and toe and all that stuff as as much as anyone, but it, it doesn't make any difference. The top drivers will still be the top drivers. It's just one less process they have to go through while they're driving the car, but they're still going to turn the steering wheel and know when to hit the throttle, hit the brake and release the brake. And how much of it and when and where. The and gears are just a separate thing. That's a, it's a little distraction. Which I think the, the emotion of the fan base is about, yeah. They want the, the stick shift and, you know, it's GT spec, yeah. the paddles. Yeah. But the, the, fans are not getting, shift. <laughs> the fans are probably not getting the alternate viewpoint as to exactly why it would be explored. And so yeah. you, you touched on it then, but what are, the, what are the benefits as a, you know, when you're looking at the bills or when you're looking at how to build a yeah. car or run a car or... Well, the biggest thing is that you've got a heel and, to, heel and toe now, which is to match the gears when you go down a gear. And that can um, save the gearbox and... Um, you, yeah, that's blipping the throttle heel and toe, whatever you want to call it. But uh, essentially, when you've got paddle shift, the ECU does it for you. So you have a fly-by-wire throttle. You're, anybody with a decent road car that's got um, the paddles on the steering wheel, when they downchange, they'll hear the engine rev up itself to downchange. That's essentially what it'll do now. It's similar to what um, GT cars have got, Formula 1 cars have got. Uh, it's just one less process the driver will have to do, yes, but there's still so much more to driving a car than just worrying about how you change gear. Mm. So I think for what we want to do with longevity of the category and the, the cost of running the cars, you know, in my mind, I want to, I want to know that um, if any Super 2 team wants to come into supercars with a young driver that hasn't driven, got a lot of these young kids haven't driven manuals. They don't even know what to do. What's that thing there? (laughs) So we're limiting. The drivers are against it because it's their careers they're trying to protect. All of a sudden, you've got paddle shift. You've got a young guy can just jump in the car Mm. that hasn't ever had to um, heel and toe a car or blip a throttle, and they'll be able to have a crack. And and if they've got the talent, they'll be able to do it. So I see that side of it. And the purists like Paul Morris, and they're like, now we can't have it. We've got to just keep driving the cars, like, you know, muscle the cars. And <laughs> I get that as well. And it's all cool. But to to really, it, if you'd exploit the way we change gears now with, with an engine that's maybe a bit weaker, which it will be, you can't 
down change. Every rev limit seven and a half. That's fine. That's up the gear. You down change. You go down too early. You can rev the engine to nine thousand revs. So mechanically, the engine's still got to be able to cop that. And some drivers will do that in qualifying because they you know, hmm. they lock the rear brakes, you know, the rear a bit with compression instead of brake, and it turns the corner better and all that. And that's great. That's a skill, but it's not going to allow us to have the longevity out of engines that we're trying to achieve. To and make the cost the saving to yeah, make it all yeah. add up. And-, and getting back to the Super 2 thing, you'd love to see some of these Super 2 teams have the confidence to go, right, we're going to step up to the main game because the team's either getting out of it or we want to build the grid. But at the moment, it's so difficult to get to the level of all these teams with not just teal and tone and all that shit, but to get a driver to get to that point, to get the, the way the cars are and the development that's gone into them. You can't just step in mm. you know, Super 2 and be competitive. So we need that. We need we need some of these really good teams like the Matthew Whites and the Sonics and the um, McElroys and those teams to have confidence to go, I can race supercars. We're a good race team. And commercially make it viable yeah, too. Yeah, and be able to buy a car and know that they've got the same uprights, the same roll bars, the same same tuning tools that everyone else has got. If you tune it right and you've got the right driver, you can be competitive. On your day, you but can... At the moment, it's so far removed from that, you, mm. you just can't do it. Mm. Yeah. Without years and years and years of experience. Yeah. Uh, have mm. you decided you're definitely going to go the GM route next yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. Makes sense, it's doesn't it? preference and she, if that's what she wants, she yep. we'll do that. She's never been a Ford girl, so... Why start now? <laughs> the decision's made on passion for this mm. one. It's not mm. a... Total business decision. She wants to stick the GM. Yep. And she's got a Camaro, so. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are you going to do with your old cars? We love the histories of the cars, as you yeah. know, in, in our sleuth world. Are you going to you hang on to them? you use them for other things? What are you going to do with them? I think initially we're, we're, we haven't got a plan to sell them at the moment, but I haven't actually discussed this, this with Betty, but I think the junior development side will, will keep going and probably ramp up and use them for that. Probably in conjunction with Image to start with, um, with Terry Wyhoon. Um, whether in two or three years we have our own um, standalone Super 2 team, maybe, but mm. I, I think we'll um, we'll keep the business model we've got at the moment and utilise Terry because Terry does a great job and there's no use um, having to employ more people and do mm. all that stuff when he does a perfectly good job. So that's probably the, the best way. Either mm. Terry will buy him or we'll yep. lease him to him. Yep, we'll do some sort of arrangement where we all win out of it. So. 2017 Bathurst winner. Where's mm-hmm. that at? Is it restored, restoring, oh, paused? No, what's, um, what's it doing? Well, obviously Anton crashed that at Bathurst when the throttle jammed in 18. So um, it's still over at Mount Gambier at um, James White's shop, our, our fab shop that James um, manages. So it's still sitting there sort of half repaired and um, all the bits are... In the in an area in the workshop where we've got the original front bar and bonnet and all that's still there, mm. and one day it'll go back together and it'll be a expensive piece of history. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> that along with the SLS, and you have two win- Bathurst winners, and yeah, it's very Betty cool. will probably hang them up from the roof at her barn at her <laughs> house, and that's probably where they'll stay. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. What, what about the ride car? So the, we did a story about this with you. Oh, was it last year? I think it might have been. Yeah. yeah. The the uh, the Merc that's been reborn as a Commodore, but it's still got a Merc engine, and yeah, it's been yeah. it's been out doing ride days and yeah, we did a ride day like at Santa with it. Yeah. Oh, we just had we've got all these components here from the Mercs, and 
chassis engines, Albans transmissions from when they got changed. So we decided, you know, when the engine rules come in, where you, you basically got to leave your engine in for 4,000 Ks, we, we decided let's use some of these components and build a really cool ride car. So it's basically a Merc with a ZB body on it and a stick it up as a boost car at the moment. And, um, yeah, it's just a good way to get our corporate rides out the way with a, in a proper supercar um, without wearing out all our mm. race components and our race cars. So, yeah, it's just really good car, and everybody that's been for a ride on it loves it. The sound of it's a Merc, but most people don't even know it's got a Merc engine in it. But mm. it's still got the same, if not more, horsepower than the current supercar engine, so it's it's just as good a race uh, ride experience as you're going to get in the proper race car. So. Mercador. Do we call it yeah, a Mercador, Mercador or yeah. a Comma Benz? Or? I don't know, <laughs> Mercador. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we might have to trademark that. I'm not sure that's the thing. Um, I'll race through the last few of these. Our National Motor Racing Museum catch race questions where the fans um, fire in. You've probably actually answered a few of these on the way through yeah, the chat maybe. anyway. But yeah. um, Glenn Wilkinson, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yeah. 100%. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, always. I'm glad. Um, you're back for Hawthorne too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good man. There's yeah. two ticks for you. Nice. <laughs> um, Brent Edwards asks, what's your best Larry Perkins story? Is there one specific um, maybe that might swing yeah, out? Yeah, I think it was the first race many I went to him with him. Um, he wanted to tell me something during a session where it was a strategy call or something and he picked the headset up off my head, shouted in my ear and then let go of it and flicked it back on my head. <laughs> And I remember saying to him, don't fucking ever do that again. I said, I'm not going to work for you if you're going to do that sort of shit. And, um, he could have just pressed the radio button, couldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I know. No, I don't think he had a radio on. Oh, he didn't like wearing one. If he did, it probably wouldn't have worked yeah. even if he had one. But anyway, he'd come up probably half an hour later and apologised. And I think I probably earned a little bit of respect from firing up at him. But, um, yeah, that was, that was a funny, funny story. But it's something that always sticks in my head because it was like, why would you do that to me? Why would you yell in my ear and then let go of that? Yeah, I know he's my boss, but still, it yeah, stayed in your ear. Sometimes rattles things you don't want to yeah. want to have happen to you. Uh, Ryan Campbell, what's the worst advice you've ever been given in life? Um, settle for second. Oh, that's good. No, nice. just oh, mum used to shit me when I <laughs> get my helmet on, about to go for a ride or some a motorbike race or something. She go, I oh, just have fun. I'm like. Mum, not here to have fun. <laughs> so it's either just be happy to come second or just have fun. Well, then that's a good uh, way to segue into Braden McKay's question. What's the best piece of advice you could give someone on starting out in motorsport? Don't settle for second. Yeah, just be the best. So try and be the best at everything you do. That's all you can do. I like how we sort of answer two in one. It mm. works out quite yeah. well. Um, Gavin McGee's – oh, this is an interesting one. Um, did you buy into the team or were you given part ownership of the team for the position of running the team? Hang on, there's a lot of team mm. in there. So we probably need to – so you part owned the REC, which is the Racing Entitlements contract, yep. under which the number 99 car yeah. runs. Yeah. Is that, that's the basic way to explain yeah, so it, I guess. Yeah, 50% owner in the REC, car 99. Mm. Yeah, so oh, I was just a – I'm not going to disclose all the details, no, no, but no, yeah, no, we Bet, Betty offered me a um, a way to be to become an owner, part owner of the wreck, and yeah, we we nutted through how it was going to work, and um, yeah, that was just a simple. I said, yeah, I agree with that, and she said she agrees, and we did the paperwork, and 
Now I'm formerly a rec owner. Mm. It's a liability or a, I'm not. I'm not sure yet. But <laughs> uh, for the record, we'll are you interested in the available rec at all for next year? No. Nah. Didn't think so. Just wanted nah. to take you off the list. Just wanted to take you <laughs> off the list. Um, Carl Phillips' question is one that we've kind of covered about the doco and was it a, a good or bad thing and would you do yeah. it again? We've sort of already covered that off. So that probably takes us to our uh, – you've seen a, many top ten shootouts in your time, so now you can yeah. be in one. Uh, word association, the first thing that sticks in your head – you can say two or three words, but mm. try to go for one for the things I'm going to say, all right? You, you look like you just don't trust me here, by the way. Please. So, you, well, you're going to ask. I'm going to say names, things. You give me the first thing that comes in your all head, right, the first yeah. word. Betty Clemenko. Passionate. Nice. See, you can do this. This is easy. Mm. Bathurst. Home. Oh, good. You're good at this. This is good. E63 AMG. Shitbox. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen to our Thomas Mizzera podcast, by the no. way? Oh, oh. It wasn't Thomas Mizzera. Well, oh. I say his name technically properly now because we've been saying Mizzera for right, years yeah. Yeah. and it's Mizzera. Is it? He no. didn't He didn't smash me about it, but I feel like now that I've learned that piece of yeah, right. information, I need to, Did he to tell do you it how he, Has he ever told you how he escaped from Czechoslovakia? He did on that yeah, podcast. Yeah, right. It did. is staggering. Yeah, unreal. For yeah. those who have need to go back to Yeah, for those yeah, who haven't heard it from story. last year, it is... The motor racing stuff's cool, yeah. But the how he got out that's of a real Chico, life story. Yeah. That's real to the point where, in the wake of that um, podcast going to air, I've had three people email me who are really? documentary makers or people who are involved in programs who yeah. heard it or were told about it and want to try want to, to do something to with yeah. it, or you know, because it's an amazing people and he, story. And he's on the Masters Golf Tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's. Yeah. Anyway, it's an incredible story. Yeah, bugger Thomas. <laughs> it's something about Thomas. Uh, Will Brown. Um, natural talent. Yeah, you can use If I put Two a hyphen words, in, yeah. it's one word. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Brody Kostecki. Another natural talent. <laughs> you can't say um, the same thing twice. Ah, uh, just hard ass. Hard ass. That's got a, that's got a hyphen in yep. it. What do they call him Bush, by the way? Oh, you haven't heard the story? No. Um, is it one we can tell or is it? Yeah, I'll go. I'll give you the quick version. So he was at Norwell doing driver training stuff and him and his cousin, I think it was Kurt, were out in an old Commodore just bashing around, just, you know, the more cars you drive, the better you get. And um, the brakes started to fail and um, I think they had a total fail at the end of the back straight at Norwell and um, they were heading towards the bushes, towards the tyre wall. And Brody unclipped his seatbelt, opened the door, and jumped out. <laughs> and um, through the whole commotion. At what car, speed are we going here? Like 100 clicks, apparently. Yeah. What? Yeah. And. Um, are you shitting me? No. And Paul Morris and that were all standing over, heard it happen, and ran over towards the car and, like, where's Brody? And he came walking out of the bush because he just rolled into the bushes and <laughs> so he got labeled bush. <laughs> But if he didn't jump out of the car, he probably would have been seriously injured by the sound of it. So, yeah. So yeah. was he in it by himself, or was his cousin in it? He, was in he the left his cousin seat. in it. Yeah, his, his cousin rode it to the wall, and I think he got a couple of little injuries. But yeah, Brody sort thought this is I don't want to I'm be out. in here when I hit this wall. Ejects. So he brave enough Whoa. to unclip the seatbelt, open the door, and jump out. <laughs> he rolled onto the grass into the bushes. So. Full army rolls yeah. at a hundred k's. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> wow, that's. That story's was, been told before, so I'm not saying anything wrong. No, yeah. I, I, I was not expecting that to be the, yeah. the case, but I was thinking he ended up in the bushes somewhere, but I just wasn't sure <laughs> that's how he got there. But um, nevertheless, um, uh, meanwhile, back to the shootout, uh, Anton Di Pasquale. 
intense. Oh, really? Mm. In a good way? Yeah, 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 in a good way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Gen 3. Uh, the future. I thought we had the car of the future already, though. Yeah, uh, that was the car of the last future. This <laughs> is the new future. Car of the next future. Yeah. Uh, John Faulkner. Legend. True. We've got to get him on the podcast, too. I yeah, need to, go to, the, need to go to Queensland and, yeah. and have a sit down with him. He loves a good chat. He does. Um, GT racing. Um, one word. Um, it's hard to explain in one mm. word. Um, we like to make it hard. Has its place. Is that one word? No, but I'll, I'll let it slide. You've given some good other stories. Uh, wor- worldwide. That's hey, yeah, that's, yeah, there worldwide. you go. No, that works. And the last one, Larry Perkins. Can't use legend again, can I? <laughs> um, father figure. Let's put a hyphen in it. It's one word. It's it yeah. works. It works. Baz, thanks for sitting down with us. I know um, you're in a busy time at the moment with yeah, the Repco no worries, Supercars yeah. Championship. Thanks for having us here at uh, Erebus Motorsport. And uh, that desk looks pretty good, mate. I yeah, might good, actually, if you ever get rid of that one, <laughs> let me know because um, I wouldn't mind that one. That's a yeah. that's a gem. But good luck for the rest of the year. Thanks for sitting no down and. Uh, no doubt we'll do it again sometime down the track. Thanks for having us and thanks for asking not so hard a question. <laughs> there you have it, our chat with Barry Ryan, two parts over two weeks. A great insight into the head of Erebus Motorsport when you listen to the two parts. And if you haven't heard part one, go back to our back catalogue and have a listen from last week. Uh, it really does show you all those stories, all of his theories, all of his thoughts. He's a racer's racer. There is nowhere else other than P1 in Barry Ryan's mind. It was great to sit down with him and really appreciate he and Erebus Motorsport opening up uh, some time in his diary to allow us to sit down and have that drive down memory lane. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Don't forget to head to our online bookshop. The website address is bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. Bunch of cool stuff, bunch of cool stuff coming uh, very soon as well. We're working on our Perkins Engineering Car History book. It's due later in the year. Sign up to our newsletter from the v8sleuth.com.au website. You'll get the latest uh, tip-offs to uh, news stories on our website when there's new products that you can get in for pre-orders. Add yourself to our subscriber base and you'll most definitely be kept in the loop with everything that we're up to, but follow us too on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at our account. Uh, In the meantime, that is us done. Don't forget to join us every Tuesday for Repco Supercars Weekly as we take a look at all goings-on in the Repco Supercars Championship. In the meantime, nope, that's us done. We'll chat to you again soon with the V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Repco. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.